Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. So good. So good to be in God's house. Good to see you. You're the best. I love that you're sitting in the front row, Yolanda. You're the best. And uh, Ben, are, are you glad that, to be in church today? Come on, give it up. Isn't it good? It is so nice outside. It was raining this morning when I got to church, and I, and I told our team, uh, my wife and I actually lead our New West location, if you don't know me. Uh, my name's Pastor Kobe. I love Vivid so much. My wife and I have been coming to this church uh, since October, and God has just done so much. Actually, I was... La- yeah, not this October, last October. Yeah, we've been coming for two months when we became our location pastors. So, yeah, we're really talented. And, uh, yeah, I'm just joking. But, uh, but when we, we started coming, we were just telling our team this morning, like, like our church was in um, Britannia High School in Vancouver. And, you know, it was, a, it was an awesome auditorium, but it wasn't the most ideal lobby. It wasn't the most ideal walk-in. And our church was probably maybe a similar size that it is today or maybe even a little smaller just over a year ago. And God has just done so much in the last year. We, we, we're just amazed. Our jaws dropped. There's a lot of work to do, a lot of people to love. But is anybody grateful for what God's doing in our church right now? Come on, can you give it up and thank God that you're part of a church that's expanding, that's growing? I don't know if you know this, but we met in three different locations today. This is our third meeting. We had an awesome meeting I heard downtown and in New Westminster. God's just blowing it up. It's just amazing. We got kids everywhere. They're just nuts and we got like people you know just coming to church and they're new and 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 God's just doing a great work and our church is just so cool and every time that I come to one of the different locations I'm like man we're home it's so crazy we meet in different locations but wherever we meet we're home isn't that awesome so you have a big family isn't that cool like our pastor's got a big family with seven kids but you also have a big family there's three locations of our church come on can I get a big amen come on I don't know if you knew that so, so I, I don't know if you know this either, but I'm a hollerback preacher, so you are not allowed to look at me and look sad the entire message, okay? You have to get a little bit uncomfortable, just go, amen. You got to smile at least and lean and go like this, mm, when I preach, okay? So it's going to be fun. I'm going to exercise you a little bit. By the way, uh, my wife couldn't be here tonight. Um, she actually got a migraine after church, so she was sleeping when I left, and that's probably why I look like this, because she usually informs my outfit, you know what I'm saying? So... I, I, she had no input today. I just got to wear whatever I want to. Um, so you're like, Kobe, you look different today. I'm like, it's because Jenna had no say. Mom can't tell me what to do. You know what I'm saying? And so, but we've been married for 10 years in June. Isn't that crazy? And uh, we've had four wonderful children. And uh, we're so excited. I know I look like I'm 13, but I have four kids, one wife, 17 chest hairs, and the mortgage payment. Can I get a big amen? Come on, church. So we're going to preach today. It's going to be good. Um, hey, if, if you got your Bible, can you open it up to Luke chapter 18? If you don't have your Bible, you can cheat off your friend. You can look it up in Google, whatever you want. I'm believing God the Holy Spirit's watching you, though. You're not going to go on Instagram unless you're posting stories. Can I get a big amen? Let's go. Uh, Luke 18. It'll be up on the screens here as well. I'll just read off the screen. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. And the Bible says, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And the guy responded, all these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have. And give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, 
he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Well, I want to preach a little bit about this scripture and, and a few others today. Um, we're in a brand new series called Known. We're going into Easter and this new theme about how we're known by God. I want to talk a little bit about that today. And you can write this down on your page if you're taking notes. Okay. Uh, by the way, I believe that when we get to heaven, we have to show Jesus our notes. Okay. So you got to laugh harder at my jokes, guys. Come on. It's 6.30 p.m. That, that's just mocking. <laughs> it's not genuine at all. Um, but, but so I'll help you out. So just write that, uh, this uh, title on the top of your page. It's I know, I know, I'm known. And there's kind of like a subtitle. It's, I need some space. Okay, and it's all going to make sense, but it's like, I know, I know, I'm known, but, but I need some space. I want to talk about this theme today. Can we pray one more time, just ask that God would speak to us? Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would speak today. God, thank you that, that you are so good and that you know us. And God, I pray that as we open your word tonight and as we lean into you, that I'm just so grateful that you're faithful to lean back into us. God, Jesus, I pray you'd reveal yourself. And you'd help us to leave change. In the mighty name of Jesus, come on, ever said one more big amen. amen. Um, I, I want to start tonight by getting a little honest with you. Um, but before I get honest with you, if it's okay, I want to ask that you're honest with me. And I want to ask you this question. Um, is there anybody here tonight, by show of hands, you know it. And if you don't know it, maybe everybody else knows it. But but. But this would be a self-awareness moment for you. You know this about yourself. You are a close talker. Like, come on, if I show of hands, anybody? Okay, Esteban. Yeah, Esteban's a close talker. Anybody else? You're self-aware enough to know that when you talk, you talk close. No, so everybody here is made uncomfortable by me because I am a close talker, okay? So if, if yeah, thank you. <laughs> Doug. I, I, I just like being close when I talk to people. It's just something that I've always loved to do, and, and I've spent a lot of time in church, and in church lobbies, we do my favorite thing, talking, and so I like spending time talking to people and getting to know people, and oftentimes, I make people uncomfortable because my proximity is closer than they feel comfortable with, and I have enjoyed this so much over the years and been aware of it that now I just do it on purpose, praise God, and so... so I, I've, I've actually experimented with this before, and, and usually it's not with people that are new to our church because I'm trying to help them feel comfortable, and I'll give them their space, of course, but usually with people who have been coming for a while, and I know, I don't know, maybe they have a little bit of social anxiety, or maybe they feel a little bit uncomfortable in conversations. I just enjoy getting all up in their business, so I will start having conversations with them, and I will take a step forward into a zone that makes them feel a little bit uncomfortable because we're talking too close, and I will observe this every time and I don't think that they know that they're doing it but they do it they'll just take a step back and then I will just step forward and they will step back and there has actually been one or two times where I have done this so many times as I'm talking to somebody that their back is up against a wall like this as I'm talking and I'm just thinking to my man got him <laughs> can't back up anymore now it's time to talk to me you know, you know, there's actually scientific research. I was talking to Pastor Justin about this this week, which I just find so fascinating, that, that there's actually science behind interpersonal space. And that, that different levels of interpersonal space communicate different things about the relationship that you have with people. Scientists say that there's four zones of interpersonal space. Are you ready for them? The first zone is the public zone. 
The public zone is 12 feet and over. So when I'm standing 12 feet or more away from you and I'm making a connection, scientists say that that communicates authority. Because I guess in our lizard brain, we think if someone is strong enough to keep us that far away, they must be important. They must have some sort of bodyguards because this isn't very personal, yet they're still communicating. That's often why we automatically put people who are speaking up on platforms just because it makes sense that what they're saying is authoritative. So for us, we like to receive things that are authoritative from some distance. That's what I'm standing here from today. It's a public zone. And then there's a couple steps closer. It's, it's called the social zone. And that's between 4 and 12 feet. And, and, and this is interesting. The social zone communicates invitation. So, for example, if I'm talking to Yolanda here, who's amazing. Give it up for Yolanda, by the way. She's the best. Or sometimes I refer to her, Kevin's mom. Yeah. <laughs> so good. But, but if I'm talking to Yolanda and I'm standing from 4 to 12 feet, what I'm doing is I'm inviting other people into the circle. So in our kindergarten semicircle, I'm standing far enough away that you might feel an invitation to come near. So I'll even think about this in our lobby sometimes. If I'm talking close to somebody and I back away, it's not because I'm backing away from you, but I'm inviting more people to talk to us and including them in the circle. Then there's another step closer. It's called the personal zone. It's between two and four feet. And this communicates privacy. This communicates a little bit more intimacy, maybe friendship. It's very typical that in business relationships you'll talk in between two and four feet because what you're doing is you're saying this is an important conversation, it's a private conversation, and I don't want others to really be in on what we're talking about right now. Then there's one step closer, and it's called the intimacy zone. I mean, anyways, okay. <laughs> I had several jokes I want to tell. I'm not going to tell any of them. But, but the intimacy zone is close enough to touch. And when someone's obviously touching your arm or, or, or near you, you only feel that comfortable with people who you're more intimate with. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's your spouse or maybe it's your kids. And, but but, but there's, there's different zones of comfortability. And you can actually test your level of relationship with people by how close you can get to them, which is a really fun game to play after service, guys. I'm just giving you some tips right now. And I have this question for us tonight after explaining that. How close is God to you? If you were to think about your relationship with God right now, what zone would you put him in? I, I, mean, I mean, to you, is, it was coming to church tonight one of these things where, where you wanted to experience something transcendent, and if you're honest, God in your life is in the public zone and he's expressing his authority to you, and you're looking at him as the authority of God, which is probably an appropriate place to put him, to be honest, because he is amazing, he is big, he is huge. Or, or is, God, is God in the social zone, where in social settings, you're going to have certain types of conversations about God with certain types of people, but if you're honest, God really doesn't go much further in relationship to your life than just a social place? Or, or is God in, in the personal zone? where you have this personal relationship with him and maybe you've made a decision for Jesus and, and you love him and, and you've responded to him and, and you've brought him closer or, or is God in your life in, in the intimacy zone? What zone is God in to you? And, and as I was thinking about this series, Known, I was asking myself the question, which areas of my life is God close and which ways is he, areas is he far away? And, and Psalm 139 came to my spirit, and, and I thought that we could talk about it tonight because I think it communicates 
in reality how close God really is to you. Look at Psalm 139. It's such a beautiful poem in, in scripture. And I really recommend that you, you write it down or you save it on your phone because it's so amazing. And I love just thinking about this. Um, every day, um, it's good to, to, to meditate on, on how much God loves you. And this is a great way to do it. Look at this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Did you know that you're known? Did, did you know that, that the God of the universe has searched you and he knows you? Friend, you might not know God, but, but the Bible is, is so clear, God knows you. Uh, even when we feel far from God, God doesn't feel far from you. He, he searched you and he knows you. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you, you discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. I love David. David sounds so matter of fact. He says, all my ways, you know them. You know them, God. You know them. Before, before, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem in behind me and before, and you lay your hand upon me. That sounds a lot like the intimacy zone to me. God is close. It's like such knowledge. I love what, I love what it says. It says it's, it's too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. It's like how much you know me, it, it literally, it freaks me out to think about it because it's so deep. It's so complete. It, you, you, know, you, you know my thoughts before I think them. You knew the thoughts I was going to think today two million years ago. And your mind's big enough to know that about, like, God, your, your knowledge of me is so wonderful, I, I can't even understand it. And, and I just want to go to the end of this because it's a long, beautiful passage. I believe it's verse 23. This is his prayer after he, he, he just thinks about the, the knowledge that God has from how he knit us together in our mother's womb, how he knows the hairs on our head, how, how he knows everything we're going to do, everything we're going to think, everything we've done, everything we've ever, everywhere we've ever been. To search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me down the way everlasting. Did you know that God knows you today? Did you know that God has great thoughts about you? Did you know that he knows where you're going to go? You, you know, if you want to find out who you are, you just need to go to God because God made you. He knows who you are. You don't need to go anywhere else to find yourself. You just need to go to the presence of God. Come on, church, I'm preaching tonight, reminding you to know the God that knows you. You're known by God. You know, and I'm reading that, and I, and I think about that, 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 that thought that such knowledge is too wonderful for me. And I feel like oftentimes we're hesitant in making a connection with the God that knows us because his knowledge of us is so big. His, his wisdom is so cosmic. The wisdom that created the universe, that, that literally shaped your life, that planned you, that, that how on earth do I connect with a God like that? Because it's great that you know me, God, but I don't really know how to get to know you because you know me. And, and it's just kind of a strange interaction because you're so big and I'm so insufficient and you're so holy. And I know me and I'm so full of sin and I'm so full of mistakes and, and, and I'm just kind of fumbling and mumbling. And I'm just trying to figure this thing out and you're so perfect. And, and how on earth 
does this work? Man, this is why I read Luke 18 when we started. Because I feel like this is a wonderful picture of how humans attempt to connect with God. Look what the Bible says. Let's read it one more time. Luke 18, verse 18. It says this, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Really what this guy's asking is, God, I want to have a relationship with you where I know you forever, and I'm trying to interact with you, and I'm trying to make sure I got fire insurance so that when I kick the can, I know where I'm going to go. So God, what must I do to do that? How do I connect with you, Lord? Because you're so big and you're so cosmic and I want to know. And, and, and I love what Jesus says. He says, why do you call me good? And that's really a reference to Jesus because he says only God is good. And he's asking the man if the man thinks that he's God. Right? So why do you call me good, Jesus answered. It's like no one's good except God alone. Go to the next verse. The Bible says, you know the commandments. This is Jesus. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. So what Jesus is doing, watch this. This is so amazing. God is so kind and gentle that God, Jesus, is discerning his thoughts, not saying that those are the things you must do to have relationship with God, but understanding the man's soul, knowing that these are the things that he has been trying to do to connect with God. And he says, you, must, you know what you need to do. You need to obey the commandments. Now, Jesus isn't saying these are bad things. They're obviously good things, but, he, but he's discerning the man's soul. And he says, oh, man, I've done all these things since I was a boy. At which point, if I was that guy, I'd be like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, like, Bible answer correct. You know, when you're a kid, and, and if you ever went to Sunday school, the right answer, what is it always? It's Jesus. You know what I mean? He's like, Jesus! You know, and like 50% of the time you're right. You know, it's just like, good job, gold star, Kobe, you know. So <laughs> it's still kind of true in church. I love it. But that's basically what this guy did. It's like, it's like, God, what must I do? I hope the answer is Jesus. I hope the answer is Jesus. He's like, Jesus, like, Jesus, I got Jesus. Yes, you know. And, and, but, but here's what he's actually, is actually happening here. Is that this guy has, has been doing things to connect with God. He, he, he's been... He's been practicing religion, thinking that the only way I can connect to a God that's bigger than me and is cosmic and amazing and huge is by practicing religious duties. And by practicing religious duties, that's how I make a connection to a God that's so much bigger than me. Yes, I got the answers right. I did all the right things. That's good news if you're perfect, but nobody's perfect. And most of us read that and we say, I have not kept these things since I was a boy. I've actually messed up on four of them. And, 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 we, and then we're like, oh man, I guess I'm disconnected from God. Because connecting to God can only happen if I obey all the commands. And then if I don't obey all the commands, then I can't connect with God. And there's a bit of a conundrum. So, so this man thinks he's great. This man is probably more righteous than me. This man has done these things since he was a youth, or so at least he says. I think this is sometimes why when we pray, it can get a little crazy. You know, like we're trying to connect with a cosmic God, and we're like, Father God, oh, holy Father God, uh, thou will be done in thy, thine life, and thy kingdom come on earth as it shall be done. Amen, Father God, you know? And we have, like these, we have like these awkward prayer moments with God that are nothing like we actually are, 
Because like this man, we're trying to connect with the cosmic God through some sort of religion. And we're like, I think the old King James version is the most holy. So we're going with the old King James version. Because I really need a blessing today. I, I love so much what Jesus does next. Look what happens. Verse 22. Jesus said, when Jesus heard this, he said to the man, one thing you lack, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Hey, isn't this so interesting? Here's what Jesus does. See, being rich in this time meant you were blessed by God. Being rich in this time meant that you, you were obedient to God. This is way less about money and way more about relationship. And this man was standing on his wealth going, obviously God loves me. I'm wealthy. Uh, all my kids are safe. Uh, I've obeyed all the commandments. Obviously I'm making a connection with God. And God's like, yeah, 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 that's cool. But like, like he just gets up in this guy's business. And he's like, hey, uh, that's all cool. Like all that this is freaking you out right now. Praise God. <laughs> but he's like, Man, that, that's great that you have wealth and that, that you're obedient and stuff. And wow, that, praise God for that. But actually what I want to do is get to know you. Like I, I honestly, I really don't care about all that stuff that much. What I would love you to do is just give it all away and come hang out with me. Like I wonder where Jesus would be if he was in our service today. I think we think like Jesus would be up at the front. I, I, I tend to think Jesus is chilling at the back. You know what I mean? He's like right here the whole service. Like it's pretty good, you know? Because I think that we think that we need to interact with this God in a way that's big and religious. And I think worship is amazing. And I think that preaching is amazing and shouting amen is amazing. All those are good things. But those aren't the things that we need to connect with God. Because he knows us. And he desires to know us. And he says, man, all those religious things, man, they don't really make too much sense to me when it comes to relationship. Because I just love you the way that you are. Because I paid a price for you. And I want to. What I really want is to know you. And that's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. The Bible says when he heard this, he became very sad because he's a really wealthy man. In other words, when everything was stripped back and all of a sudden God got all up in his business, he was like, uh, God, I wanted to connect with you, but uh, now I think I just need some space. It's because I was really comfortable when you were in the public zone but when you got off the platform and started preaching from the back row and touching my shoulder and got in the intimate zone with me, I got really uncomfortable because there was some stuff that I thought you didn't know about. And I know if I walk with you that you might actually change my life and that might be too much for me. See, we serve a God that steps right out of the public zone, right through the social zone, right through the personal zone. He gets right up in your business. <laughs> And that, and that can be an uncomfortable place for God to be because, like we said, he's so holy and I'm so normal. And so when I was praying about this, I started thinking, Jesus, as long as I've been walking with you, and as often as I've read this scripture and thought, man, if I was that man, I would have sold everything and followed you. I understand that it still makes me uncomfortable sometimes when I'm allowing God in some places in my life that I thought I was hiding from him. Y you know, <laughs> this is the story of humanity. I, I, mean, I mean, in Genesis, it like, it's like one chapter in, guys, and, and, and humans who were walking with God, the Bible says they were naked, they knew no shame, they just knew God, 
That down the cool, during the cool of the day, God would walk with them and talk with them. And, and I just see them walking and talking and knowing God in this intimate, personal relationship. And then the moment they sin, they start acting bizarre. It's like, I'm going to just make leaves and cover my body and hide from God. You know? Have you ever played hide and seek with a three-year-old before? They're so bad. Like, like I'm almost like, uh, like, like, I'm like, Jacob, hide. He's like, okay. And I count to ten, he's like this. I'm like, you did nothing! Like, I see you! You know, and Adam and Eve are hiding from God! The God that knows everything, every hair made them, can see through walls, okay? <laughs> they start acting so funny because intimacy is uncomfortable. Because relationship changes us. And if God knows everything, guys, you're not hiding everything from him. You're just acting kind of bizarre, and it's normal. And I get it, and, and I act that way too. But, but God desires more in our relationship with him. Because even though we put him in a zone that's not intimate to us, he has put us in a zone that's intimate to him because he loves you. He cares for you. He knows what you're walking through. He's like, I know you. Don't worry, I know you. I know you. I got you here, by the way. You think you came to church all by yourself? I arranged it millions of years ago. I knew your thoughts. I knew your heart. knew what you needed. knew Pastor Kobe had to preach Sunday night to read your mail. This is the God that we serve. And I, and I, and I, I still think about how is God going to respond to me when, I, when I'm that intimate with him? Because still, sometimes I feel fear. Isn't that crazy? I know perfect love casts out fear, but, but I'm still learning to trust God with things that, that are so deep that, that I feel like if I let him there, I still don't know what he might do, and he's always faithful. I know what his word says, but I'm still human. I, I want to end with this scripture, guys, because I feel like this paints a picture of what God does when we get close. In Matthew chapter 8, very, very different contrast to the rich man. It's another man, and this man has a disease called leprosy. Look what the Bible says, Matthew 8, verse 1 to 2. The Bible says, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. And suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Now, if you were a Jewish person reading this text at the time, you would have been like, <gasps> like, like, like this would have been the most shocking thing that could happen. Because leprosy was a disease of religious uncleanness. It was a, a disease that it, was, it would be illegal to approach someone with it because of how contagious it was. Not only was this man putting Jesus in danger of catching a disease that made your entire body numb until you died, he, he was actually breaking the law and was in danger of, of being executed for the action that he was doing. And he, he was ceremonially and religiously unclean. You know, you know, in this story, I often try and place myself in it, and I go, am I, am I supposed to be Jesus in the story, like loving someone, or am I supposed to be the disciples, like following Jesus and watch him heal? No, no, no. In this story, you and I, we're, we're the leper. We are the person 
in the back row that if we're really honest has a hard time sometimes engaging in worship because we feel numb and unclean in some of the areas of our life. Like, like, like no one should be around us. Like this guy wasn't just in, in the stranger zone. This guy was in the danger zone. Like everybody wanted space from this guy. Like they, he actually by law was required to shout unclean, unclean, unclean. When he saw people, he's like, I need some space because I'm contagious. Well, actually, you need some space because I'm contagious. And is, it, is it true that so often we feel that way when we walk into church, if we're really honest, that sometimes we feel unclean? Sometimes we feel like, ah, that, that sounds amazing, you know, perfect. Um, sometimes we just feel like, Lord, I don't... I, I know you know me, but I just don't feel like I can open up in this area. But I love what this man does. The Bible says, go back to that scripture again. Th this is a picture of Christianity, guys. This is a picture of how you and I receive Jesus. It says, suddenly, man with leprosy, he approached. He approached Jesus. You know, so often we make church about the things that we avoid. It's like, it's like oh, you're a Christian? What do you do? Well, I don't listen to that. And I don't watch this, and I don't hang out with them. So, like, nothing. It's great. I'm so holy. God, God really loves me. And we become like the rich man because we're interacting with God based off what we don't do and what we do do. And this man, despite being unclean, despite needing space, despite having barriers, gets right up into Jesus' business, pushes the crowd aside and says, I need some space, I need some space, I need some space, and approaches Jesus. You know, Christianity is not about what you're avoiding. It's about who you're approaching. It's about going to Jesus despite everything that's in your heart, despite all the things that are dark down there that you feel like you don't want him to see. It's having the courage knowing what God said about who Jesus is, that he died on that cross and paid for your sin so that you can boldly come into his presence pressing past the crowd and entering into a place where you can meet Jesus face to face. Come on, church, can I get a big amen tonight? Because when you approach Jesus, you avoid everything else. Approaching Jesus creates space between you and sin, creates space between you and everything that pulls you back. That bold, courageous step that you took tonight to get into this room created space for you to approach Jesus. In fact, this is exactly what you're doing tonight. We're approaching God together. Look what Jesus says next in, in, in uh, 2, 2B two and 3. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. If you're willing. Look what the Bible says. Jesus reached out, touched him. See, see this guy put, put Jesus in, in the personal zone. Jesus, I want to get personal with you. But Jesus put this guy in the intimacy zone. He said, I know you're scared. I, I know you feel like you shouldn't be here, but before I even speak to you, I want to remind you how much I love you by the action that I'm about to take to close the gap between me and you. And I know it's crazy, and I know that people are going to laugh, and I know that it's going to be controversial, but I'm going to reach out and make a connection with you. And the Bible says this, and he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Friends, I want to remind you that whenever you create space for God, 
God will always create space in you. I'm telling you, whenever you create space for God, God will create faith in you. See, 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 when this man just simply made a step towards Jesus, he didn't even go all the way. Jesus closed the gap. When he took one step toward Jesus, the Bible says that God created space between him and his affirmity, and he was instantly healed. And all of a sudden, a brand new world was opened up to him. That creating space for God meant, meant new freedom, new life, new connection to God, new connection to people, new connection to community. Because when you create space for God, he will create space in you and faith in you, empowering you, because he knows you. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you've been through. And his attitude towards you is not anger. It's kindness, compassion, help, hope, healing, provision. That's how God wants to respond to you tonight. You know, oftentimes we're just feeling like it's hard to connect with God because of everything we've done today. And then we get saved and, and we get healed. And, and then all of a sudden it comes back and we're there and we, we just get distracted. We're like, you know. Hey, God, I'd love to read my Bible, but these pictures look really good right now. Instagram, it's good like. We get distracted. Sometimes we just say, hey, phone, I love you, but I need some space. Hey, Netflix, I love you, but I need some space. Because I can't feel my face when I'm with you. Hey, Grey's Anatomy, I know you've been going for 25 seasons. Probably going to be 26, but I need some space. It's not bad things we need space from. It's just distracting things. So we can create a little, I'm telling you, you create a little space for God. He will create faith in you. He will create hope in you. He will create healing in you. He's a good God that loves to help you and, and, and be kind to you and change you. He'll just make some space for God. You know, that's why we work so hard to do three churches in one day. Just trying to create some space. Like Russian Community Center, that's some space. Let's just create some space and put up some pipe and drape because, because if we create a little bit of space, that can create a lot of faith in people because Jesus is going to show up. You know, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of tears. It was hard. It wasn't easy. But we love pressing into hard to create space for people because we know if we'll just create some space, God, God will create some faith. God will do some more. Come on, church. Does anybody believe that tonight? I just want to close with this one story. You know, uh, three years ago, my, uh, my family hit a massive speed bump in our life when uh, my, my wife was pregnant with our fourth child, and all of a sudden she started experiencing massive complications. And once a week for almost the entire pregnancy, We'd be in the emergency room, which is not a fun place to be, people, okay? You need prayer if you've been in the emergency room for 13 hours thinking you've lost your baby. And it happened every week, week after week after week, we'd go until about halfway through the pregnancy, my wife's water broke, and she was, had, had to be put on bed rest. And I was caring for my three children alone without my wife. Needless to say, I needed a lot of prayer. And I think my kids needed even more prayer. Can I get a big amen? <laughs> Daddy daycare is not that fun for three weeks, okay? And uh, we were able to keep the baby until little Judah was about 25 weeks, which would have been about 100 days early in the pregnancy. And I got a call from the doctor, or actually a call from my wife at 1 a.m. in the morning saying, the baby's coming now. You need to come to the hospital right away. 
And honestly, the doctors had said to us, listen, when Judah is born, this could mean uh, that there's a high probability that he will not survive outside of the womb. And there's actually a good chance that your wife could pass away too because of the bleeding that she's been having and the complications that she's been having. So, you know, I was 29 years old at the time. I hopped in my car at 1 a.m., and I beelined it down King George Highway in Surrey, thanks, Joel, <laughs> to the hospital. And, and on that drive, uh, if I'm honest with you, it, I, I was absolutely terrified. I did not know what I was about to face. I did not know how to feel. I, I prayed to God that this was just a dream and that I could just run it's just hard to describe how you feel in a moment like that. And as I was driving, what I, what I did was so profound. I, here's, here's what I didn't do. I didn't put like, like an exciting CD on to pump me up before the pregnancy. Like Kanye West or Ariana Grande could not help me in that moment, okay? I, I put on, I, I had on my phone a Hillsong Young and Free song called Jesus, I Will Trust You. And I put it on. And as I played worship in my car, it just created a little bit of space for God in a chaotic moment. And as I created a little bit of space for God, I'm telling you, the God that knew me entered my car, entered my spirit, and began to create space between me and my fear, space between me and my hopelessness, space between me and my anxieties. And all of a sudden, I was full of courage and faith because the God that knew me was working in me. And I'm telling you, I came into that hospital, I was like, Let's have this baby right now. Let's go. I was fired up. The doctor's like, sit down, sir. Sit down. He needs some oxygen, you know. And we would have my son, Judah. He was one pound when he was born. And God's been faithful. He's, he's two and a half years old right now. Come on, give it up for God being faithful to us. I'm telling you, there were ups. There were downs. But in every down, God was faithful if I would just create some room. Because... He's the author and finisher of your faith. I want to pray for you right now. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.